You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's Wednesday. It's the 8 o'clock hour. It's The Big Show. It's Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Coming to you live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, serving Calgary and Southern Alberta since 1992, everything basement Um, Don't forget, the top of the hour, the big show's not done. Patrick Dumont and Alex Brody take over for more Big Show. It's like a it's a fluid title. Big going. Show Plus. All the all these companies are making plus. You know, the three letter network is now plus. Uh, yeah, Paramount ESPN plus plus Paramount okay. plus Sportsnet plus. No, no, we're now now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How dare you get that wrong? Because there's only one streaming site I use exclusively. It's Sportsnet now. It'll oh, yeah? be forever and the rest of my life. Is it? Yes. You can make my I love you so much. <laughs> um, were you at Ted Senior? What's that? What? I said, were you at Ted Senior? Yeah. Um, we have his uh, picture on yeah. our backgrounds of the computers, and I noticed yesterday he just stares <laughs> right in your eyes. Well, no, yeah, that's I. Uh, I met uh, I. I was I rode the elevator with Uncle Ted once. That's the only time I uh, ever met the founder. So just once in the elevator. Sturdy, firm handshake? Uh, I just said hello. And that mm. was, he was very nice. Fist bump? Went for knuckles? No, <laughs> no, no fist bumps or high fives or like chest bumps. Chest bumps. <laughs> it was just a nice... A little pat on the bottom? Hey, nice to meet you. get out there and have yeah. a great day. No, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it wasn't fist bumps. It wasn't... No, none of that. Yo, like none of that. Um, you got some fry things before we get to quickly, uh, Luke Gazdick, uh, from Sportsnet. What do you got for us fry-wise? Multiple people saying Springbank does have the best fries, and they're not even from Springbank, so I love that. Aaron Woods getting some votes. I didn't okay. play a ton up in Aaron Woods, so I, I, w- I would have to maybe consult my father on that one, uh, because he probably would have had the fries there. Uh, and then this one also came up out in Cochrane, Spray Lake Sports Complex. That one was just getting built when I was finishing playing. Mm-hmm. Went out there a few times, and they do have delicious fries. Uh, what about uh, Thorncliffe Greenview has the best waffle fries? Ooh. I, I, that has to be a change, because there wasn't a lot of rinks tossing out waffle fries when I was okay. playing minor hockey or watching my brother play. Uh, we'll get to some of those, uh, more of those later on in the show. Uh, Matt Devlin, the voice of the Raptors. At the bottom of the hour, but right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, we say uh, good morning to former NHLer, NHL on Sportsnet's Luke Gazdick. Luke, good morning. How are you? Good, boys. What's up? Luke, uh, where, where, where was the best arena fries you had growing up or even like when you played junior hockey? Like, where are the best fries? Uh, good question. Probably my uh, old high school in the middle of the city in Toronto, St. Mike's. Okay. Um, it's like an old school rink. It's been there for... Hundred plus years, um, and they had some good fries. I would always steal in between class or at majors, OHL mm. games, and stuff like that. See, I, I love it. Back, did you did you have something specific? Like, because I don't. This is really weird about me, Luke, and I'm going to share this on the air because I I like to be truthful with our listeners. Splash around the. Pool I too. have such a craving for the brownies they used to serve at my high school cafeteria. <laughs> And, and I'm like, man, I kill for one of those brownies. Is there something from high school that you haven't had in years? You're like, man, I kill for that thing. Dude, the rib sandwich from my cafeteria. See? There you go. <laughs> man, like, so how often do you think about it? Like, 
Man, it's so funny you said that. We have a group chat with like me and my high school buddies. There's like yeah. six of us still still in there, and someone ever just randomly will just be like, "Dude, I need a rib sandwich from Airmark." Like, <laughs> yeah, that's our cat. That was our cast, and like we then it'll just like erupt a conversation about like yep. all the things we used to do in the cast, and it was just it's just all memories. I love that you said that. Um, did you? But yeah, it was it was like the McRib basically. Yeah, it was only like once a month that they'd throw it out, and it would sell out. It was the best. Were, were even like me? Were you even contemplating like? Can I walk into that school during lunchtime and grab one of those? Like, would I be allowed to do that? Honestly, it's pretty far away from my house, but if I was closer, I'd probably sneak in there. Yeah. I don't know how high schools are now these days, but I'd yeah. be the older guy. Yeah, no kidding. It's like, who's this old-ass man in line for a couple I, brownies? Yeah. That would essentially I just be the alumni. I have the yeah. alumni land here just walking around. <laughs> um, wanted to ask you, uh, we had a big discussion earlier on in the show uh, – Markstrom versus Vladar, because a lot of our fans, some people covering the team, uh, seem to think that the team plays better instead of in, in front of Dan Vladar. And actually, the numbers and statistics bear that out. Uh, when you were playing in the league, and it was a specific goaltender on your team that you knew was maybe playing better, did that change your approach to the game, especially heading to the rink, when you knew that guy was starting that night? Oh, man. I see it's it's questions like this. This is so funny because I'm still so like fresh out of the game. So I have like a great perspective on this. Like, I, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. There, there was a team I was playing for. I can't tell you what year, but I remember we were sitting in the truck and we were like, "Oh crap, buddy's starting tonight." Like our own goalie. <laughs> right. This is me playing in the league, so I can tell you, like, truthfully, there are like moments where I'm like, "Ah, we got to." we got to be a little better tonight. And then honestly, like when I was, when I signed with Calgary, I played in Stockton and in the American league, you can go through like 15 goaltenders, honestly, because they were calling up John Gillies and David Riddich and we were just getting injured and Tyler Parsons was injured. And like, we were calling up guys from leagues that I don't even know. I didn't even know what team name was. <laughs> and we'd like, like Husky, like Ryan Husky would be like, All right, boys, we got to like, we got to bear down tonight. Like we, we got to be, we got to be good. <laughs> But they were definitely wasn't on the NHL level. I'm, I'm, I want one of these guys to just take it over. I, I've been waiting for Marky to just like return to his former self and just like do this on a consistent basis. Um, Dan's been great when he's been in there, and I didn't know that the numbers of the team were actually better, which is pretty encouraging. But it's kind of frustrating that one hasn't taken it over because I can tell you it it creeps into player psyches more than you think. How long do you think it takes? Because this is a guy who last year was the runner-up for the Vesna. But this year, it's not that he's been awful, but it's been the, the soft goal, goals every once in a while that just really kill the momentum of a team. And, and really, is there anything that can kill good momentum when you're just wearing a team down, you give up one chance, and it ends up in the back of your net? No, it's so frustrating. Like, the two examples I look at perfectly are the game Monday versus Nash, right? You just, like, absolutely out-pumping the other team. And, I mean... Even last night, if anyone was watching the oil game, Seattle's third, Seattle's what second goal on, on Campbell hit his glove and just went in. You see these goals where your team is just working so hard, and you're like, "Crap, man! Like that sucks." Like sometimes you'll have a, a breakaway, there'll be a big save, come back, and then it'll go in. It's just so degrade. It's so de- not degrading, demoralizing um, for a team. And and like I said, I don't know what's going on. He's got the yips or what it is, but um, you'd like him to just start to be able to creep in full 60s i think it's more mental than it is physical to be honest it's i found that as a player and i was never a goalie you might just be overthinking it 
You know, he, he mm-hmm. literally might just be overthinking the position. Um, right now you have, you have an assistant coach, you have a penalty kill coach, you have a head coach, you have a goalie coach, you have a video coach. And when you play a bad game, you got to hear from six different people. Right. And I, I just think that it's not a bad thing necessarily, but um, it could just be him getting himself as his own head kind of thing. I'm intrigued by your thoughts on Milan Lucic in his current role. He's been bumped up to the second line. It's certainly been a, a point of conversation here amongst the media and the fan base, but for a while, he was playing quite well. He was putting up some points, maybe a little bit of a dip lately. But just a thought on the big man who got elevated to play in the top six and really what it says about the Flames forward group as a whole. I mean, they're the deepest team in the West. That's I, I won't change my stand on that. Um, I've said that for a long time. I, I think from one to four up front, they have the deepest forward core. Um, and Luch is a good player. Like, I think pe- maybe people forgot how, how good he is. And I, I'm biased to this. I was a big fourth-line left winger. And I think you get labeled in that position. You get labeled as a checker. You get labeled as this, as a tough guy, an enforcer, uh, you know, a goal scorer. And, you know, teams, media love to put labels on players. And then, I mean, me, myself included. But, like, he's a good freaking player. You give these guys – these are NHL players. You give these guys opportunity on a second line with two unbelievable players with a six centerman like stuff's gonna happen and they they'll talk about that before like coach will pull over luch and be like hey i need you to make room for these two guys so i need you on f1 on every four check i need you to take the body on every play um make sure they feel safe out there first of all you know i know there's not that much fighting but no one messes with them and just get the puck out of your own zone you know and get the puck in just little things and if you can accomplish like simple tasks like that the offense will come when you're playing with players like that. So I'm sure, I'm sure he's just loving life right now. I'm, you know, in terms of, you know, where he's slotted and the hockey's playing, like you said, a little bit of a dip, but it's better than playing on the fourth line in and out of the lineup and getting scratched. I, I you know, did that for a lot of time in my career and, mm-hmm. and it sucks. So I just love to see good. He's, he's a good old school player, right? Yeah. I, I scrapped him a couple times and, um, I do have a personal bias to see to love seeing bigger, tougher guys uh, well, get on the score sheet and and fill in for the team every now and then. Well, like like Luke, you can't just float something that you fought Milan Lucic twice and kind of just like gloss over that. Like, tell us about the two times <laughs> well, here. Okay, how well, terrifying okay, so was it? Was it? On, it was only I think we only got um, so we only got one on the books, but. The one I did scrap him was my rookie year in Edmonton. He was playing on Boston, and I'll for, I'll never forget this. Okay, like we're playing on the fourth line, and you match lines at home, right? So, Bob, we we just went down three one, and they sent over whatever who their their coach was at the time is Chara McQuaid, Krejci, Lucic, Aginla. <laughs> yeah, there's a true story. Yeah, and I'm. And that's their first line, yeah. right? Like, cause that that's their top line. Coach gives me the tap on, not even the tap on the shore. He goes, guys, your line's going. I just turn around. I'm like, oh God, it's game time. Yeah. <laughs> game time. Yeah. I went after Iggy off the draw. I was like slashing him. I yeah. was like, hey, he takes one step back. He looks at me. He's like, kid, what are you doing? And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, shit. Like, this is a Ginla, right? I look at him. I'm like, man, I'm just trying to get something going. We're down. He goes, you can do that. Just not with me, bud. Okay. I'm like, okay. 
So anyway, I went, I just, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to go after whoever here. And Luch had the puck. I cross-checked him a couple times. And we went like right in front of our bench at Rexall for like a minute. That video has like a million views on YouTube. And I almost knocked him out towards the end of the fight. I caught him pretty clean, but he's got that iron, iron face. But that was a, that was probably (laughs) one of my best, best scraps of my career. Did he say anything to you? No, not, nothing after. There's no head top. There's no nothing. Like, we were both so gassed. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I've never, I've never even met him, to be honest. I've never talked to him or done anything like since, you know, since that fight. So I would love to talk to him about it at some point because it was a great scrap. I wonder if he remembers it. Okay. Well, now I have to ask you about Chara. Did you ever think about fighting that monster? <laughs> so the way I thought of it in my head was like, <laughs> I'll see where the draw goes and I'll see who's just like closest to me. Yeah. And I'll just start asking one by one, just like knock them off. So like the puck gets dumped in, I get away from Iggy, puck gets dumped in, McQuaid has it. So I'm like, oh, it's Quader. And he moves the puck. So I keep forechecking it to Chara. I'm like, oh, puck's going to end with Chara. I'm going to finish my head. I'm going to ask him to go. But he just kept him moving up the yellow too. And so I just, I just kept following the puck in the offensive zone and it landed in Lucha's feet and I hit him and I just right place or wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. And yeah, I, it took a little bit of convincing. I'd say if you watch the video, I had to call him a couple choice words first. You'll even see I it, I called him something, and he finally turns around, and the gloves went into the fifth row. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and then it was just game on. And then I was like, "Holy, I I'm in one here." Yeah, I thought you did a really good job standing up for his first flurry there because he he comes out throwing them. That's for sure. Well, he came out hard, and then we got in front of our bench, and I usually love getting in front of our bench. Kind of mm-hmm. like gives me gives me like a little audience. And he reached over and grabbed my helmet, ripped it off my head, and then threw it into his own defensive zone. Yeah. And I just in my head, I was like, and all the boys saw it. I was like, oh man, I'm 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 in trouble. But that's like as a tough guy, like you just have you have to like breathe and like not get too not get too caught up kind of thing. Just mm-hmm. be like, all right, I'm okay. I'm all right. Like, but nothing bad's happening. So, like, I kind of just let them tire out a little bit, and then I saw a couple openings, and I took them. Uh, Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet, former NHLer joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. We're down this rabbit hole. Now I have to ask you this question. When you watch guys fight in the show or in the AHL, how was it punching a guy's helmet and visor, Luke, before he actually got to his face? Man, it's actually, it's the worst. I started to get it really bad in junior because we all wore visors and you weren't allowed to take your helmet off at all, like towards the end of my career in junior. And you would have nights after the game where you're standing in the, even in, so I'll include the NHL as well. Yeah. But like you'll have nights where you're standing in the shower after the game and there's about 30 little tiny cuts in your hands. So just imagine that like burning feeling in like a little paper cut, but you have like, you have them all over your knuckles so every time you squeeze your hand or you shower or you tape your stick, it's just like miserable and you can't, can't put any like bandages on it. Cause you, you know, if I had to, if I was on a back to back, I had to fight the next night. Can't have anything above your thumb line on your hand. So like, this is just uncovered wounds and just another thing. If you look at any old tough guy's hands, they probably don't, don't have a ton of scars. They'll have tiny, tiny little like teeth marks and visor scratches all over their knuckles. I don't know if you've noticed this. I started thinking about this after I was watching a TNT uh, broadcast earlier in the year, and Rick Tockett was talking about, like, shaving down the edges on his helmet for some time. Like, guys would do that back in the day, so you'd cut your hand more easily when you were fighting them. 
And I was watching oh, the psychotic. I was watching. <laughs> I was watching the Oilers yesterday, and on their helmets, their logo decal. It's not just a sticker. It is like it's it's got like ridges to it. And all I was thinking is that would be awful to punch because that would rip your hand to shreds. Did you have you ever noticed that on the Man, Oilers helmet? They've got those honestly, weird decals. This is great. This is honestly, I've watched probably every oil game. I have to because I you know, speak on them probably the most. And I've never seen what you're talking about in my life. So I'm going to have to look for that next time. But yeah, that would piss me off. I try to get that helmet off instantly. Like if there was any issue early in the fight, I'd just try to get that bucket off. Cause man, it's even if some guy's got no visor on, if you miss by two inches and I'm, I, you guys probably maybe seen a couple of mine. I throw from right field. Like <laughs> I just, my, my, yeah. My theory on a, not theory, but like my strategy on a punch was like, when I tell people and I teach teammates, it's like, don't just throw over just to punch. Like I threw every one of my rights, like to, to send this guy into the stratosphere, like mm-hmm. every one. And like, I just like tell guys like you're wasting energy if you're going to punch it. And it's just like a little rabbit punch or you're doing it just to, to bait him. Like if you're going to throw, just throw. But then if you hit something like that Oilers thing on a helmet, it's like two inches of, uh, of uh, carry and you're, and you're in the wrong direction. Um, we hear a lot about the travel uh, from the minors compared to the <laughs> NHL. Luke, why don't you tell us the difference when you were in the show or when you were grinding in the minors? I mean, it's it's two different worlds, man. Like people ask me all the time, like, what do you miss about the NHL? I don't say players. I don't say the paychecks. I don't say the game, the fighting. It's those 12 steps up the, like up the step after a win on the road and you're getting on the charter. And it's just like such a cool way to travel and experience like life. You're flying from Montreal to Boston on a, a charter with 20 of your closest friends and you're having, you know, steak and lobster and you're freaking playing cards and drinking wine and telling stories. And it's like just like that small part of it was like my favorite but then like you go from and it really is a shame and i and i, I know people are trying to make it better but like the, the nhl pregame meal and not only that like they call it the never hungry league for a reason you there's food there's buffets of food you, yeah. you walk into the rink there's this buffet of food you're like oh what is this for they're like i don't know eat it and it's just like stewie's told me that mind. too it's hard to lay off the two filet mignons after the game <laughs> Man, the worst is when you're not. I get that like scratched for like ten games in a row. I'm eating like plates of like Alfredo and <laughs> pasta, <laughs> and then like you have snack after. People don't realize it's like you have a you have a full other buffet after your pregame nap, but before the bus, which is like cold cuts and like lighter food, like cereals and like wraps and stuff like that. So I'd like pop down after my nap. I'm not playing night. So it'd be like two weeks later. They'd be like, man, you haven't played in six games. You gained eight pounds. Like what is going on here? <laughs> but, and then you have the AHL coincidentally, we call it the always hungry league where it's like, you're just scrounging. I was think, I was so weird. I was thinking about this this morning, guys in Stockton, like nothing against Stockton, please. Whoever's listening, I'll take it. It's just the way the American league is. They don't provide lunch a lot of the time. Guys are just like scrounging for food, eating like hard boiled eggs for lunch and like, (laughs) you know, those like minute oatmeal things you like rip the top off and add like two thirds a cup of water. Like guys are eating those for like lunch and stuff. Like it's just, it's different worlds, man. It's honestly like the, the disparity between the two is, 
probably something that should be changed, but um, it's, it's fun regardless. I had a great time in the American league. It's kind of like everyone rallies around that, that sentiment. And it's kind of like a running joke that we never have anything. So it's, <laughs> You know, you make the most of it as a player. Luke, before we let you go, uh, we had Ron McLean on in the last hour, and he was mentioning somehow he ended up doing interviews on a Hockey Night in Canada broadcast, and it happened to be your first game. So he did an interview with you, and you got the Hockey Night towel. Do you remember that interview? Yeah, but it was so it was Ron from the studio, but it was Scott Oak in Edmonton. So I think he sent it there. But yeah, I remember it was my first game, man. I scored, you know, I I don't I don't tell a ton of people this, but it has been beaten since. But it was the fastest goal scored by a player playing in his first game at the time. I scored 14 seconds into my first shift. Wow! Uh, in in the NHL, like my 14 seconds on, on the first time ever skating on the ice, I threw a puck against Winnipeg in my first game, and it went in. Um, and I got that towel after, and I played. 146 more games after that without a towel. So <laughs> I know there's, I know there's like tons of guys. And you know what? I feel bad for like, cause that thing means a lot to people. Like I have in my basement at the house that I have here in Toronto, when I invite people downstairs, which is kind of like, you know, I got all my old jerseys and I got collections of sticks from guys and guys across the league and, and jerseys I've worn and, you know, plaques and pictures and stuff. It's pretty cool. But the one thing that everyone always gravitates towards is that towel. They're like, Oh, you have the towel. You have the CBC towel. Uh, And then I have to tell, you know, tell the story and I feel bad for people in like, you know, guys playing in Florida and Dallas that probably don't get to play on hockey night a lot. They'll probably, I don't even know if a guy like Jamie Ben has a towel. So the fact that I, uh, I only played a couple of years and a half. One was pretty cool. I remember asking Scott Oak if I could keep it because I wasn't even sure how it worked. But no one's taking that away from me it's sitting in the basement, and uh, and it'll be there probably till I leave. I like that you say you have to tell that story. Like it's a it's a chore telling the story about how you scored in your first NHL game and got the hockey night towel. Yeah, it's like it's like oh, by the way, do you want to know how I got that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Luke, uh, just real quick, how mad were you when your record was broken? Honestly, I was. Wa- I watched it live. <laughs> we were just. Wa- I was watching a spur of the moment. I was in San Diego watching a Ducks game. I think it, pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure it was that thing. And I just looked right at. It was Joe Blandese. He was another pro player. He looked right at me. He goes, "I'm sorry, bro." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again. That, yeah. Yeah. And I just like looked down. I was like. Steph, can I have another, please? Yeah, um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, but it's it's all good. It was beaten by. I think it was officially beaten by uh, Gabe Velarde on on the Kings. He scored, I think, ten seconds into his first shift. But I don't really. I'm telling you guys because I'm sure someone out there knows, and someone will find out. But if you're in the basement and you get the hockey tell story, you don't get to hear about Gabe Velarde. Okay, that's good. No Gabe Velardes. Um Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet, former NHLer. Luke, lots of fun. Let's do this again soon. Okay. Yeah, call me anytime, boys. Sounds good. Uh, There he was. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Dine and pick up wherever game day special delivered. Find out why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner, 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast, or call 403-248-3344. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Went from a legendary, longstanding broadcaster, outstanding, to someone who is just kind of getting his feet wet on our side of the business. Outstanding. And now another legendary dynasty type of guy. 
Um, Matt Devlin, the voice of the Raptors, straight ahead. Uh, we still got to do an Australian Open update with intern Noah. And Australia. Then at, and at the end of the show, something happened on the BBC yesterday that it's just good audio I need to play. We got a lot of things we, to do. Yeah, we got a lot to do. But we, it might be a little inappropriate to play at like 8.50 in the morning, but we're going to do it anyway. Oh, good. Okay. Good, good, good. Big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, to wrap up the hour. Intern Noah is going to get you caught up on how Canada did at the Australian Open this morning, in case you missed it. And to wrap up the show, or at least our portion of the show, uh, there were some shenanigans on the BBC yesterday. The BBC. And then we'll hand things over to Patrick Dumas and Alex Brody, who have like Big Show Plus, more Big Show, bigger Big Show. I don't know what we're calling mm, it from 9 yeah. to 10. This is BBC News. Okay. Uh, it, it'll be like that, but... A lot more shenanigans. Okay, good. Um, Raptors fell to the Bucks in Milwaukee last night, 130-122. He had the call for Sportsnet. We say good morning to Matt Devlin on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Matty D, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're good. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, Matt, how much West Kelowna Warriors hockey are you watching these days? <laughs> Quite a bit, actually. Quite a bit. <laughs> When I can, and fortunately, those games are uh, 10 o'clock Eastern time. So uh, I'm able to, to view at least the second and third period by the time I get home or when I'm on the road, uh, tune in, you know, on my phone or an iPad. So it, it works out well. Uh, how much are you a hockey dad, maybe criticizing your son's play? Are you that type of dad or you're just like, hey, good effort, good good game out there? I like what I saw. Where are you at with being a hockey dad? Well, I think, you know, the biggest thing, I, I try to look at it from 30,000 feet. It's a process. And fortunately, I've been around uh, professional sports for a long time and understand that uh, things don't happen overnight, uh, that you put the work in and it happens over time. And, you know, for my youngest son, Luke, um, who you're talking about, who plays with West Kelowna. Um, you know, look, at for me, it's just a joy to see him play. Certainly, it's a rare occasion when I see him live. Mm -hmm. And so, as we know, being there or watching it on tape are, are two totally different things. Uh, but he'll call me and we'll talk or whatever. But, you know, you know, my approach has always been do the best and work hard. Um, and there's certainly a lot of other people uh, that know the game, you know, better than I do. Um, and that's, you know, his coaches and, you know, those that are around him and, you know, he loves the game. He's passionate about it. And I figure if you put in the work, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's about it, right. Do the best you can. Have you, have you passed on maybe some wisdom from guys like Alvin or Leo or Jack onto your son? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think, you know, that, that above all, um, I think, are the things that, you know, I've tried to share, you know, with all three of my sons that um, it takes a lot of hard work and dedication. And, um, you know, the examples of a Fred Van Vliet, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, you know, I tell a lot of those stories and uh, in hopes that some of them stick along the way. Um, and, you know, fortunately for them, you know, they're passionate about something. 
Um, and it's something that they think about on a daily basis and they get in and they do put the work in. So, you know, for me, that's what I think I'm most proud of. Uh, th- there's no question, Matt. You're, you're one of the best broadcasters in all of North America, in the world, when it comes to basketball and the NBA. But when you see an incident last night because you're a hockey dad, when Brooke Lopez takes uh, Gary Trent Jr.'s headband off and kind of throws it, and they kind of have like a little hugging match, but not really, do you roll your eyes a little bit? Does the hockey dad take over when you see a little skirmish like that on the basketball court? Uh, well, you know, first of all, very kind words uh, from you, but I... No, you know, those situations, those situations can escalate um, and you're always in tune with understanding that, you know, the one thing about basketball um, in comparison to other professional sports is that there's no barrier between where the fans are Mm. and where the court is. And so you're always mindful of that. Um, and then, you know, you, you want to make sure that there are those out there on the court that from a reputation, you want to, you, you're looking, okay, where is a certain player, right? And making sure that, you know, and that's what the, you know, I think both benches did a great job keeping their benches in place. And then, you know, the Raptors coaches, specifically Jamal McGlure, who I know got teed up, but he was pushing Bobby Portis away from the scene. Um, and then uh, from the standpoint of Adrian Griffin, uh, you know, he did a tremendous job too. Now, was it silly that he flipped his head? <laughs> and it's like, come on, Brooke Lopez. Yeah. Come on. Like, what, <laughs> really? Like, this is what we're doing here? Yeah. Right. Um, Matty D, is there, is there was has there ever been a basketball kerfuffle or skirmish that kind of got out of hand that even you're like, whoa, this is getting kind of dangerous out here that you've witnessed firsthand? That I've witnessed firsthand. Yeah. You know what? I can't say. I can't. I can't say. I mean, there's been you know a couple of Serge Ibaka situations where uh, some pushing and shoving went on, nothing like. You know, the malice at the palace, you know, I was not there. Um, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Okay, or how about this? Who's the Raptor that you've covered that there's no way you'd want to get into a skirmish with him? Because I think Serge Ibaka's got to be near the top of that list. Yeah, I think Serge. You know, I think Serge is there uh, for sure. Um, I'm, you know, is, is there anybody else? PJ Tucker was here for a little bit, yep. right? Yep. Uh, you know, he's another one that comes to mind. JV also is somebody that never backs down. Like he'll always mm. be, you know, right there in the thick of things. That's for sure. Matt, got to ask you about uh, some of the recent play for the Raptors. Of course, they did lose in Milwaukee yesterday, but apart from that, winners of four of their last six back-to-backs continue to be an issue. But do you like how the team is trending right now? You know, I think that, yes, it, you know, the unfortunate thing for the Raptors and you would think based on analytics that eventually it'll come around and it has not. And that has been their shooting. Their their shooting ultimately is the reason why they are, you know, where they are now, because you miss shots. It fuels, you know, another team's offense, puts your defense in a very difficult situation. Two great shooting performances yesterday of the Gary Trent Jr., uh, and then also um, Fred Van Vliet. 
Um, just getting more than that uh, is certainly key. And so, you know, for the Raptors, you know, they find themselves where they are because ultimately the team has struggled shooting. And if you look at their three-point shooting, which in today's NBA you need, and you think about how close that game was yesterday in Milwaukee, and Milwaukee made 19 threes. And so the Raptors were there. A couple of critical calls along the way, you know, some missed shots. OG, unfortunately, had an off night. And for the Raptors, where they are right now, you know, they need more than just two or three performances, right? You need that collective. And so it's going to be interesting to see how all of this kind of unfolds now, you know, leading up to February 9th. Matt Devlin. Yeah, absolutely. Matt Devlin, the voice of the Raptors, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. We know that the sophomore slump is a real thing in all of professional sports, but it looks like Scotty Barnes is kind of snapping out of it here lately. What have you seen the difference between Scotty Barnes now and maybe at the beginning of the year? Well, he's more aggressive. Um, and they've changed up some of the actions to get him involved closer to uh, the bucket. And I think that that's really helped. He's shooting close to 70% at the rim, meaning restricted area in. And outside of that, he's about 36%. And it was really watching Milwaukee back on January 4th when I watched Giannis. And he just doubled down on what he's really good at. He struggled up and down at the free throw line, but yet you can't stop him in what he does best. And I think now over the course of the last two weeks, it's been more consistent for Scotty, which is important, right? Greatness is inconsistency, doing it every single night. Well, over the last two weeks, he's really putting it together. And a lot of that has to do with him continually going to the basket, going to the rim. You combine that, because when he's getting in the rim, if they choose to double, he can find somebody immediately. So that's what I really like about his approach. How important do you think it would be for this team to find a true big man, a true number five for this group, to just really complement the rest of the, the talents on this starting uh, group? Well, I think it's not only a five. I think it's also maybe even a shooter. How many true fives are there in the NBA look at even Brooke Lopez, who last night before he got ejected had 19 points and one rebound. And five years ago, you'd be like, oh, seven-footer, only one rebound. But he's playing away from the bucket. But, yes, a rim protector and somebody that will roll. Um, extremely important as you move forward um, because you need those, you know. And, and, and Christian Coloco is going to be able to get there there's no question in my mind, but he's a rookie, right? And it takes some time. So I think if there are two things that the Raptors would look at, it would be, yes, you know, a five, a rim protector, a roller, and then also someone you know, that is more consistent, maybe even someone that you could add coming off the bench that can provide some three-point shooting. Um, Matt, I, I know like it's, it's, there, there's a big prize in the NBA draft. Uh, I can't miss prospect, and this team's kind of the in, in a crossroads right now. Are they are they good enough to be a playoff team and a contender? Yeah. Are they really bad enough to bottom out and be a lottery team? 
What do you think this team should be doing? Should they go out there and grab that five, grab that shooter, and take their chances in the playoffs? Or maybe tear this thing down a little bit and get into that draft lottery? Because I feel like I'm I'm not sure where the Raptors are right now. Well, I think, you know, it's it, it's an interesting, you know, point because I think that you're not the only one, right? Um, you know, Masai, as we know, has always been about winning. And being the play-in, being in that play-in tournament is not something that he aspires to be, right? He, You know, it's, you know, we want to win. We want to have an opportunity to win. And if you're not there, then you're moving towards that. And so that's why, you know, the 10 games between now and the trade deadline, I think, will be a factor. It'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. Because where you look at where they are right now, and then you look at teams, you know, like Detroit, Charlotte, and Houston um, that are on the bottom end and will have more ping pong balls, um, is that the way you want to go? Um, and so it, it is a time in which you're not the only one thinking about, okay, what is the best case for the Toronto Raptors? Do you move a player to bring in? a couple of players or do you move a couple of players and then say, okay, you know, there's Scoot Henderson out there. There's Victor Wembenyama, and we want that opportunity to be in that. But that's a very, as we know, the Raptors moved up from seven to four and they were able to draft Scotty Barnes, which worked out rookie of the year, but it's extremely difficult to play that lottery game. I mean, there are teams like Houston that have bottomed out now for a while, Orlando as well, and now Detroit, and they're all playing that game. What happens if you don't get them? What happens then? Right. And so it, there's a lot of pressure in that, as well as trying to get to that next level. So I don't have the answer to that. I think it's going to be interesting to watch to see what happens, but those are all the questions that – not only we're sitting here talking about, but also internally they're going through. But 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 don't but don't the Raptors have a long leash with the fan base here? I know the championship now is I can't believe almost four years has passed since they've won the NBA title. But don't you get uh, like a long benefit of the doubt with the fan base, whichever way they decide to go, because the championship really is so fresh in our minds, and that that's built up so much equity with the fan base. I don't know how long that equity lasts, Matt, but I feel like yeah. there's still a, a long leash on, hey, we did win a championship recently here. Just trust the process here in Toronto. Well, you know, it's an interesting point. And, and I think, you you know, if you talk to, to fans, there's probably going to be, you know, varying opinions, right? And, and it's one of those things that when the Raptors go to New York and, beat the New York Knicks who had won three in a row. And the last time they beat them, they had won eight in a row. I think everybody then feels like, Oh, okay. You know, this is a team that's got an opportunity, right. To maybe get to that sixth spot. And then the next day you go to Milwaukee without Giannis, without Chris Middleton. And then you take on a team like the Bucks that has a tremendous amount of depth and you end up falling um, to Milwaukee. And then you walk away from that saying very much like you said, well, maybe it is time to make, these sort of different moves, but uh, I don't know, you know, winning, you know, winning is something that I, I, I've been in this league a long time. And there are teams that say, Oh, 
uh, yeah, we're going to rebuild, we're going to do this, and we're going to be in the lottery. And you can be in the lottery for a long time. Look at the Sacramento Kings. Uh, look at you yeah. know Houston now. And, and look at Oklahoma City, who in 2012 went to the NBA Finals with Harden, Abaca, Durant, and Westbrook. And they've never been back since. Right. Look at the twenty. Look at the twenty eleven Dallas Mavericks. You know the Dallas Mavericks have had a decades run where they didn't get after winning, didn't get out of the first round. It isn't easy to reboot, rebuild, rebuild on the fly. However you want to recalibrate, right? Oh, we're going to make this move, and now we're back. It it is a process. But you have to have a foundation. Raptors do have that. And now what direction do they decide to go? Matt Devlin is the voice of the Toronto Raptors on Sportsnet. Uh, Matty D, thanks for this. And enjoy those West Kelowna Warriors games, okay? You got it, George and Matty. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Uh, there's Matt Devlin. Great stuff. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Uh, pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. Uh, we got a couple pieces of business to attend to. Uh, well, three probably. Um, we still took a lot of texts on who's got the best arena fries in the Calgary area. I've tabulated the votes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I got the answer for you. You want it now? Uh, sure. As uh, our intern Noah gets set for the Australian Open update. We had uh, a tie. Wow. A few votes each. Three, actually. Okay. For the Hussar Arena, which is actually not in town. It's a little bit east of Calgary. But a lot of minor hockey tournaments kind of go out there in the little hamlet of Hussar. So that got three votes matched by Chucky Chucky Chow's at the Northeast Sportsplex. Also received several votes. Okay. Chucky Chow's. Sounds great. Uh, also, shout out to Springbank, Indus Arena, Aaron Woods and their poutine, uh, Seven Chiefs, where the Hitmen are playing the Prince George Cougars tonight. All got votes. Okay. Calling North Toronto Arena. I love it's, it. It's it's, it's Springbank. not North Toronto Arena, but I don't know why North Toronto Arena came up there. It's uh, it's Springbank, but it's fine. Okay. Tom um, Wilson. Sorry, Patty Dumont? Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson from North Toronto Arena. This is Tom, yeah. Tom Wilson. Um. Got a couple things to get to before we say goodbye. Before uh, more big shows on next, Big Show Plus, Big Show XL, Big Show XL, bigger show, bigger show, big fat show, whatever from nine to ten with Patty Dumont and Alex Brody. But right now, uh, Noah the intern is in with us all week, uh, and he's been all over the Australian Open like a dirty shirt. (laughs) I can't get enough. Like he is sleeping. Yeah, he is just like he's like the Darrell Revis. Just blanket coverage <laughs> of the Australian it's Adler Open. Island. Yeah, like it's sauce, all coverage of the yeah, like yeah, Sauce yeah. Gardner of the Australian <laughs> Open. That's what he's been doing. You look like Sauce Gardner. What are you? Six? No, never mind. No, yeah, you're not <laughs> very lanky, Sauce Gardner. Only only allowed one touchdown this season for. Rookie. I need, I do need I do need to ask, but who is uh, Sauce Gardner? I love the fact that you have no idea who Sauce Gardner is. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's a corner for the Jets, and he was a very oh. high draft pick. And he's probably the best young corner in the National Football mm. League. The cornerback who covers the wide receivers. I'll take that as a compliment, I guess. Yes. He's a quality um, player. Can I just say An this? Adonis yeah, I, I know you said you wanted to work for Sportsnet 960. Maybe broaden your high, horizons just a little bit, Noah. 
Maybe watch a couple other yeah, sports, I, mix them in a little bit. You, you I'm know, just saying, you know like, what? You know variety what? is the spice of life. You know what? I will say this. I'm trying to get back into um, into the NFL on a very regular basis. It's a pretty big league. It's a huge A lot league. of people watch oh, yeah. it. A lot of reasons to enjoy it. It's the king mm-hmm. in North American professional sports. It's George's sexy muse. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's great. I know you watch the Flames, mm-hmm. and I know you watch the New York Yankees, mm-hmm. but that's pretty much your... Like what yeah, else do you? That's that's pretty much it. That, like, that's, like literally, like, that's, that's it. pretty much it. Yeah. Hmm. Like um, like it's the Flames, it's the Yankees, and that's it. Okay. Um, like I said, you should maybe yes broaden your horizons yes. a little um, bit. There's a lot of good sports out yeah, there. Yeah. Like I'm trying to get back into watching the NFL on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, I would say the same thing about the NBA as well. Like I'm trying to get back into. I that. love the like, NBA. It's like, just it, there's rare opportunities where we get Matt Devlin on and we can talk about it. I'm the, pre- I'm guessing you've seen Lost Dance, right? Of course, I watched well, the greatest that. documentary ever. Yeah, like, it was really good. Yeah, it was oh, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Uh, also, watch um, the Showtime Lakers show. Yes, that's mm-hmm. excellent. That sure, awesome. sure, it's a dramatization of the Lakers and their and their rise and Jerry Buss and mm-hmm. all that. But that's an excellent show. Shaq's got a show that's yeah. out now. I've yeah, I've, that I've yet. seen an episode. It was pretty interesting. Did the you divorce like divorce between them and the Lakers? Oh. Anyway, not basketball talk. Uh, tennis talk. So we all go. Right. We oh. anger our listeners from basketball talk <laughs> to tennis talk. Let's hit it. Uh, well, how did Canada do at the Australian don't, Open? Don't internal? worry, text line. Uh, don't worry, text line. I'll try to keep it as short hey, as possible. Hey, don't ad lib too much. All right, just give us the update. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go ahead. What do you got for us? How did we do? Okay, so Felix Auger Alassim was down two sets to none. Yeah. And then by the time the third set, I was watching the bit before I went to sleep last night. Yep. And by the time it was the third set, I was like, okay, I think this thing is completely over. I'm mm-hmm. going to be talking about a loss tomorrow. He comes back from two sets down to win the contest against Slovak, Alex Mokan. Yep, it was a great match. Um, again, tennis talk. Uh, Felix essentially didn't really take it to Molchan there, and especially third, fourth, and fifth set. Molchan just imploded, and Felix just played consistent enough to get through. And credit him, because he's almost submarine Really, the great work he did winning all these tournaments in the back end of the year. And now he's the sixth seed in this tournament. A lot of high expectations for Felix. Good on him for fighting from two sets to love down. That's all you can say, right? When it's these first few rounds and yep. you're a six seed, you're playing someone unseat. You just got to find yep. a way, man. That's it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to beat the brakes on. You got to yep. find a way. Just survive. That's all it is. Uh, what else you got? Okay. And another Canadian will be moving on. Denis Shapovalov. Won his match this morning over Japan's Taro Daniel in straight sets. Good job. 6-3, 7-6, 7-5. Boom, even the score. And But we have bad news, right? Yeah, Yes, we have some very bad news. Bianca Andrescu will now be moving on. She lost her match to Spain's Christina Busca in also in straight sets. Yeah, Botched uh, disappointing. It. Botched uh, it. Layla, our best chance now on the ladies' side of things at the Australian. Great job. We'll talk to you tomorrow for that. You betcha, guys. Uh, before we hand things over to Big Show XL or Big Show Plus, mm-hmm. more Big Show. Um, something happened yesterday. I, I think we can safely say when, when you look at the pinnacle or the gold standard of broadcasting probably in the world, you look at the BBC. Uh-huh. Right? Sure. Like maybe maybe sports at 960. <laughs> you couldn't even get it out. You couldn't no, even. Couldn't. Yeah, maybe it's sports at 960. <laughs> Stop talking hoops, idiots. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Do it again. Stop talking hoops, no, 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 idiots. No, no, no the no, sports at 960 part. Okay, yeah. When you talk about the uh, the pinnacle of broadcasting in the world, you probably think of BBC and then maybe Sportsnet 960 right next to it. <laughs> Yeah, 
There you um, go. Yesterday, um, they were doing the FA Cup, uh, which is the oldest uh, tournament in the world, essentially. Patty, sure. you know I'm right on that, right? It's the oldest tournament in the world? I believe it is the oldest uh, domestic trophy yes. in the league, yes. Uh, so they had a uh, broadcast yesterday. Uh, Gary Lineker, who is an absolute broadcasting legend. Sure. He's like the Ron McLean of like soccer in England, right? Patty, you know I think that's safe to say. Hell of a player, too. Yeah, Gary okay. Lineker, head of a player. Well, there was a bit of shenanigans on the set. Of uh, the BBC broadcast. Was it like yesterday. a TNT broadcast? Uh, sort of. Okay. Um, so Gary Lineker is going to throw to Alan Shearer, who's on location, but there was something playing in the background. Hit the audio, Alex. FA Cup winners only policy in the studio tonight. And I don't know who's making that noise, but uh, Alan Shearer is on the commentary gantry alongside um, Steve Bauer. Um, Alan. Um, it's toasty in this studio. It's a bit noisy as well. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody apparently <laughs> taped a phone, and Gary Lineker tweeted it out after. Somebody taped a phone to somewhere in the studio, which was playing pornographic noises while he was trying to throw to Alan Shear on location. So there was a, a little, like a, a troll, some sort of gnome yeah. up to no good. Alex, I thought I sent you the cleaner version. No, all, I, all you sent me was like someone recording their TV. So no, guessing... but I sent you a clean version. Did I not? Uh, I, I recorded exactly what okay, you Okay, all right. Uh, so according to a BBC spokesperson, quote, we apologize to any viewers offended during the live coverage of the football this evening. We are investigating how this happened. Yeah, Gary Lineker literally tweeted out a phone that was taped to somewhere in the studio. And that phone that, is old. Yeah, it was like, it was like a Nokia. <laughs> that thing was super old. That's awesome. Yeah, and again, they that's, all had they all had to laugh about it, but BBC was clearly the management not happy. That's very well thought out of. Yeah, or so thought, like a big time of. FA Cup broadcast, somebody decided to play pornographic noises in the background. That's very good. Yeah, on the BBC. Yeah, on the BBC. The BBC. Uh, that's it for us. Three hours is way more radio than Matt and I can handle. <laughs> so uh, you know what I am. Pooped. Yeah, I need I need like a five hour nap. I need like a couple days off. Um, oh, never mind. I'm not George. Big Show XL or more Big Show, whatever we're calling it, is next. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.